Hi, welcome to the Berry Nation podcast, where we support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. I'm April. I'm Jason. And I'm Natalie. And if you're watching, today we have the fabulous Dr. Russo with us. Hi, Dr. Russo. Hi. We are so excited to finally get to talk to you on the podcast. We, three of us, had the opportunity to meet you in San Diego at the Bariatric Society's retreat last year, and we were so drawn to your passion for supporting the bariatric community. You have quite a thriving practice. You are a patient partner, partner doctor. You are like all involved in the bariatric community. So we're so thankful to have some of your time today so we can talk about self-advocacy and self-love, which I know is a topic that you are interested in. Have you ever wished you had a dedicated bariatric buddy to help guide you along your weight loss journey? Well, guess what? You can find that person. Patient Partner connects pre-op bariatric patients to vetted post-op bariatric patients who help and encourage each other along the way. Patient Partner helps you feel more empowered, prepared, and supported through your surgery by connecting you to a community of recovered patients so you can move forward with confidence. Click the link in our Instagram bio to learn how you can take advantage of this free service and follow Patient Partner at patient underscore partner. topic of self-advocacy comes up a lot and it's a lot different in the patient community that it is than it is in the uh, medical community so uh, I'm really looking forward to kind of diving into that a bit deeper with you all we are too it's something we talk often about with our friends and followers they they just don't know where to start or they think that they can't advocate for themselves it's just like a whole new world uh, so we're really excited to hear about, you know, what you, uh, what, you know, your take on advocacy and self-advocacy and, and how you help and we can help all bariatric patients really kind of get there, right? This, this month at Berry Nation, we're focusing on self-love. How do we get to this point where we can love and accept ourselves? And self-advocacy is, advocacy is kind of a, kind of a start to that. So I don't know, without further ado, I think we just dive in. So first things first, Dr. Russo, we would love to give you the floor and have you introduce yourself to our listeners and our watchers. If you wanna share like, why did you become a surgeon or why you are so passionate about bariatric medicine? Sure, my name is Michael Russo. I've been uh, doing bariatric surgery for going on eight years now. And, you know, bariatric surgery was always a calling for me. It was funny in, residency, I was drawn to certain arenas in surgery that had a positive kind of feeling. They were an uplifting environment and clinic was a bunch of smiling people instead of people that were just getting news about their cancer diagnosis and this and that. So I was drawn towards bariatric surgery as well as plastic surgery, just because I wanted to have that positive uplifting feeling. I wanted people to be really excited to get surgery both before and after. And I just felt like I can make a bigger difference in the bariatric surgery space. And I had some specific individual talent towards the type of surgery that's done in bariatric surgery, laparoscopic and robotic surgery. So it was just, it was my calling. And um, as I got deeper into that specialty, it just, it, it really became my true love. And what I found was that patients were almost led astray um, from the medical community and they were miseducated. So then I really developed a passion for patient advocacy, really getting involved in the social media space and getting out there educating docs and patients alike on all things bariatric surgery. 
Absolutely. And which we so appreciate. I know all three of us, we didn't really think bariatric surgery was for us uh, until we kind of had that personal outreach, either from a friend or family member. And then, you know, the more that we're involved with this community, the more that we have come to understand that surgeons treat it very differently. Like some just general doctors won't even recommend bariatric surgery or they themselves have a misunderstanding of what it is. And it's just so frustrating because the three of us have obviously gone through this and we know how life-changing it has been despite, you know, hardships or revisions or setbacks or, you know, all the things that we've gone through. Uh, so it's important to know that there are people like you out there that are really trying to kind of set the record straight, if you will, and just be like, hey, nope, this is a safe medical tool that people can use to live at a happy, healthy weight. You know, like just really take the veil off of what seems to be shrouded in mystery for so many years, decades, really. It's it's so true. And, um, you know, even today, there are a lot of patients being exposed to a certain stigma. And I think that's where the self-advocacy comes from. Um, gone are the days where doctors should be telling a patient you're obese because you eat too much. So stop eating and you'll lose weight. That is not the answer. It needs to be understood as a medical diagnosis, a medical disease. And that's part of the push that I try to do to really get the word out there so that doctors stop saying that to patients. It's like, it, the fact that patients need to advocate for themselves is ironic because you don't think that you would need to advocate for yourself to get on blood pressure medicine or diabetes medicine. You don't need to advocate for yourself to do that, right? No. Yet patients are compelled to advocate for themselves to get weight loss surgery. So what's wrong with that picture, right? I was literally thinking about this in the shower today. I was like, it, it just blows my mind, right? Because, and we talk about this too all the time in Berry Nation. Like we don't give our aunts and uncles or our loved ones a bad time for having a heart valve replaced or taking insulin or doing any, you know, accessing any of these other medical tools that they feel comfortable to live their best life. Yet when we want to turn to a medical tool to help us live at a healthy weight, oh, well, you should just do it on your own or you got to do it the natural way or you just need to stop eating or you got to go to the gym more. I mean, it's like, oh my God, this is mm -hmm. insanity. insanity. Well, one, of the way, one of the things you have to think about in that, or that I always turn to when I think about it in that, in that thing is we're run, we're, everything's geared so much towards pharmaceuticals nowadays that it's almost, I mean, it's better off for them to not push that because they don't want you better. They just want, they want, they need you to keep taking the pills, taking the scripts because that's what they get. Their offices get kickbacks and bonuses for it if you get enough of the scripts taken. So that's, you know, they start driving the things that are going to get them paid the most. You know, I really hope that's not the case. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and try to be the altruist here and try to say that, that doctors are doing this for the right reasons. And any sort of misinformation or lack of advocacy towards this channel of getting bariatric surgery is from a lack of education. And that's from the doctor's standpoint, as well as the patients. I think that if they were adequately educated on the benefits of bariatric surgery and its effectiveness and overall safety and everything that we know today, that it becomes a easy decision for the doctor. Because truthfully, doctors aren't really incentivized to push pills. 
you can argue that doctors are incentivized for people to continue living with chronic diseases to not resolve their diabetes or not resolve their high blood pressure so they don't need the doctor anymore. But I don't really think that that's the motivator here. I hope that's not the case. I know my doctor was amazing with it. She was the one that pushed me to get it done. And she's extremely happy every time I go see her just because she knows how close I was to the brink of, of death and not being here anymore at 44 years old. So she literally has seen me go from death's door to how I am today. And she couldn't be more excited. Like she loves the fact that I don't have to come in. Cause I was, I was getting to the point. I was almost going to her once a week and yeah. she's to the point now she's like, I love only seeing you like once every, you know, six, eight months. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is better. Like, I don't think I, I don't miss seeing you, but at the same time, I love seeing you healthy. So I, I was, I was fortunate enough to have that positive experience. I just, you know, I'm like you, I hope it's not the case that, you know, big pharma's winning out in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I echo your sentiments. The fact is, is that all of the doctors that I have relationships with think upon bariatric surgery in a very, very positive light. I mean, they, they love it. This is the tool that allows their patients to get better. I mean, is a patient getting better if they constantly need more and more medication just to maintain a normal blood pressure? I would argue that they're not, right? So even though they have a normal blood pressure and they're on a handful of meds, they're getting worse and worse. And this really enables doctors to be able to do their job more effectively. And that's what I talk to them about. And overwhelmingly so, patient, or doctors that actually get an education in bariatric surgery and understand what it's all about and its level of effectiveness are overwhelmingly positive towards it, especially in my community. Nat, what, what was your... Um... Did you have like primary care physicians that ever recommended bariatric surgery to you when you were at your high weight? Um, well, I didn't necessarily go to the doctor very often okay. at my high weight. I'm going to be very honest about that. Um, I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. No. But I will say I've, um, I've had, you know, three bariatric surgeries. So when I my first one was when I was 15, I was 350 pounds. Uh, my primary physician did say, you know, there's this bariatric surgery called the lap band. It was very trendy, especially back in 2009. She didn't say that specifically, but, um, you know, she did say, you know, uh, I know that there's a, a surgeon out in, um, you know, a couple hours away if you wanted to go to a seminar. Um, but, I don't know if it's just the times or if my surgeon was just not the best. Um, but she, but like the education part, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, it, it seemed like it wasn't, they weren't educated. So it's like our quality of education wasn't great either. So the whole, um, experience therefore was really poor because of that. Yeah. Well, I- I don't think that you should blame um, your doctor at that time. What it sounds like is when you got your band, I mean, the truth is, is that the understanding of obesity as a disease process, it's a fairly young discipline. We've only really understood what we know now for like the last 20 years or so. And the truth is, is that even the first bariatric surgeons that were doing it still were coming from a place where they literally thought that the way to get people to lose weight was to decrease the amount of food that they eat. Like that was, that was the problem. It's a volume problem. It's just them eating too many calories. 
Um, so it is a more modern understanding when you truly understand the hormonal basis of, of what we do and why the lap band doesn't work really versus the sleeve and bypass, which are more effective tools metabolically. Um, so I want to give your, your surgeon the benefit of the doubt, because even, even some of these surgeons that started and they were the, the, the originators of bariatric surgery didn't really understand how it was working. It's amazing to see how the, the science and the understanding has shifted just in the few years that I've been a bariatric patient. Cause I know, I mean, I saw lots of doctors leading up to my surgery and most of them said bariatric surgery was not for me. I did not qualify. I wasn't big enough. It wouldn't work, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And that's part of the reason that kept me, you know, basically 10 years in the wind of bariatric surgery. So I'm thankful that these types of conversations are happening kind of in all of our communities. So it doesn't become the thing that is not talked about, right? It becomes right. now that medical tool, which is what this conversation is all about advocacy. And if that doesn't exist in, in our lives, we have a really difficult time of getting to that place where we can learn to like accept and love ourselves. Because if we can't really, you know, advocate for ourselves, if we can't speak out for ourselves then we're gonna have a really difficult time in, in getting what we want out of life. So before we kind of really dive into what, you know, this advocacy is, we always like to start to make sure that we're like speaking the same language. Uh, so advocacy, the, our, our working definition for this podcast episode is advocacy is defined as any action that speaks in favor or recommends or argues for a cause, support or defends or pleads on behalf of others, right? So advocacy is just speaking out against Again, something for someone. So self-advocacy is just when you're do, taking those actions for yourself, mm -hmm. right? So Dr. Russo, in your experience, how do patients advocate for themselves or how do you wish you saw them advocating for themselves when they, when they first come to you? Mm -hmm. So it's actually interesting. Oftentimes, um, patients, by the time that they see me, they, they don't have to advocate for themselves anymore, but usually I speak to them about how they got to see me. So occasionally, because I'm an in-network doctor with many insurance plans, they'll come through a referral and whatnot, and they'll share the experience of kind of talking to their primary, their medicine doctor, their endocrinologist about choosing the path of bariatric surgery. And a lot of it is dependent on the doctor, right? Like you said, some doctors are kind of pro-bariatric surgery. Others are less enthusiastic about it. Um, but like I said, it's a lack of understanding and knowledge. I, I, I mean, the fact is, is that if a patient suggests to their doctor that they have explored the idea of bariatric surgery, they know that they're a candidate based on insurance criteria, which are relatively simple, frankly. BMI of 35 and above with a presence of an obesity related medical condition or a BMI of 40 and above without. And then they say, I think this is the right choice for me. Oftentimes that's compelling enough for the doctor to just jump on board. Um, if a patient decides that this is the path for them or really wants to speak to a bariatric surgeon about ascertaining whether it is the right fit for them, usually the, the barriers are broken down. There are differences in, in geographic location in terms of coverage 
and access. And when we speak about advocacy from a medical perspective, that's what we talk a lot about is how to improve coverage and access. But from a patient perspective, the truth is, is I mean, you just need to have the support, maybe do your own exploration. I mean, information's everywhere and come to your doctor with a plan of action. Yeah. Nat, when, when you were going through kind of your process, how did you advocate for yourself throughout? Is there, is there a moment in time when you were like, I was really proud of myself because I did this thing or I asked these questions or I, you know, I, I went above and beyond here. Um, I don't think so. During my first two surgeries, I was just very young. I didn't know that I could advocate for myself. Um, I, you know, I, so that didn't happen then. Uh, I would say as I was older, um, you know, I did, I requested to talk to the surgeon directly so that I could say, this is my story. It's not, you know, point blank. I have complications and things like that. Um, and that, I think that's the main, um, my main like source of like, okay, I did a good job. I can pat myself on the back because, I, I don't think I would have done that, um, you know, several years ago, uh, but just realizing like, no, I should actually just talk to them personally. And it's okay to request to talk to them personally. Um, that, that was something where I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. And that felt good. Yeah. Jason, what about you? How did you advocate for yourself? Mine was really coming from when, because the initial, because I'd been, like I said, I'd been going to my primary care doctor for a long time and she was just, you know, treating what she could. And it was high blood pressure, hypertension, you know, pre-diabetes, all those things. And it took a cardiologist that didn't even know me, had my chart for like two minutes and looked straight at me and was just like, yeah, you ever thought about uh, bariatric surgery? And I'm looking at him like, I don't even know me, dude. Like, how are you going to come at me like that? Like, come on, dude. And you know, it took me a little while to think about it before I went back to my primary care doctor. And even still, I played it off a little like, can you believe he said this? And she looked at me, it was just like, yeah, I really can. She's like, you, you qualify. She's like, you, it actually wouldn't be like, you're the perfect person to have it. And I started kind of, it, it was different hearing it from her because she like, she and I had been through so much. So we knew, but it, it really took me kind of taking a second and, and knocking all the, you know, the, the shock off from the doctor that didn't know me saying it to ask her the questions I needed to ask to be able to go through, you know, to make the final decision to go through with it. So it was kind of one of those I advocated for myself against myself almost. Well, but you bring up a really good point, right? Actually, a couple is that, you know, sometimes self-advocacy is just listening with an open mind to what people are telling us to not like react, to not necessarily judge, to just say, okay, I'm going to accept what you're hearing. I might not like it, but I'm just going to marinate on it. And then right, that other form of self-advocacy is you just taking a step back and then asking somebody that you do trust those questions. That's huge, right? And I think another form of self-advocacy that we don't realize is actually that, is that when we're online and we're doing our research and we're looking at these checklists and we're checking out these different doctors or we're connecting with people on you know, patient message boards and things like that, that is a form of self-advocacy that you can do privately. So if you're not ready to publicly advocate for yourself, there's all kinds of things that you can be doing kind of behind the scene to really set yourself up for when you are ready to make that consultation or make that first appointment or you know, really kind of do, do that work. I mean, I remember when I made that decision, 
I advocated by myself or for myself, you know, on day one, after my consultation, I said, I need a checklist. Do you have a checklist that you can give me so that I know exactly what I need to do? And I can literally check them off as I go. Um, and then anytime I ran into a roadblock with my insurance or with anything else, I called my surgical center and I said, Hey, this person or this group is giving me a hard time. Is there anything that you can do to help me? Right. So advocating could be, can be asking somebody else, you know, to help. And then after surgery, they told me, if you have any questions, call us. Dude, biggest mistake of their lives. Cause that number was on speed dial. And I was like, every five minutes, uh, is this normal? Is it, you know, but again, right. I was not going to be afraid of not getting the answers. And the other thing that I highly recommend for everybody listening and watching, if your surgeon says something, if the PA, if anybody says something and you don't understand what that means, you stop them right there and you go, oh, wait, I'm sorry. You said, blah, blah, blah. I don't speak your language. What does that mean? right? Like stop them in their tracks and let them know that you don't know what they're saying, but you want to know. And that tells your surgeon, that tells the person that you are working with, oh, they're really invested in this. Like they really want to know. And it helps them become a better practitioner and provider because we all know we, we get comfortable in our world and we just start speaking a language thinking that everybody else speaks it. It's absolutely not the case, right? Not the case. Dr. Russo. Are, are there other things that patients can be doing or should be doing to kind of advocate for themselves as they're going through their pre-op or even, you know, their, their post-op process? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's funny. Um, when Jason kind of mentioned how jarred he was when someone brought up bariatric surgery to him, I thought that that was interesting because it can go both ways. I mean, stemming from a lack of understanding the idea of bariatric surgery. And that's probably where this, this need for advocacy comes from can be fairly jarring primarily because people used to think of it as being dangerous surgery. So it's not dangerous anymore. It's, it's safer than getting your gallbladder removed, which most people see as routine surgery. So it's important to educate yourself on those facts because frankly, you may need to come to the table in front of your practitioner, depending on their knowledge base and educate them. Um, I do think that exploring social media, that's a big reason why I'm really active on social media. I think that that is one of the first places that many people get that sense of self-advocacy or at least gain information, relying on friends and family members that maybe have had it done, um, joining support systems or support groups, um, thinking about programs like patient partner where there's patient advocates that literally are in that place that can connect to prospective patients to help them understand the journey both before and after having a reliable support system and robust support system in the bariatric surgery practice that you choose or are directed to is of critical component, uh, critical importance because having that level of interaction and communication really determines how successful someone is. A patient's overall success is really determined by their compliance and their ability to succeed in the lifestyle changes necessary. And you know what? A surgeon doesn't do that. A support system does. A colleague in this journey does. That's what it's all about. And breaking down those barriers and becoming that level of support for the patient is a what I think is a necessary and mandatory component of being a good weight loss surgeon.
It's literally the reason that we created Berry Nation and specifically our Berry Nation membership community is because that community piece is so important. It's a safe place for people to practice self-advocacy and it's a safe place for people to see how others are advocating for themselves, right? We can ask those questions in private to with people, to people who have been through it. Uh, you know, you, you can access the, the support of experts, of, you know, of, of all of these things that exist in a support community because as Jason Natalie and I have really discovered the only I think well not the only reason but the biggest reason I've been successful is because I've been so involved with the community on multiple levels and when you're involved at that level you are thinking about it you're engaging you're interacting with with that community and with that lifestyle and with that decision every single day it's what keeps you rolling in in that work of, of bariatric surgery and we always see it too in our community when people ghost us we know that they're struggling but we know that you know the, either the weight's coming back or it has already come back or they're terrified or we know that not good things are happening and if when people disengage so does the advocacy so does the help so does the support so does the community you just kind of get lost I think too it's um pretty amazing speaking as someone who's had bariatric surgery 10 plus years ago um social media wasn't really a thing you know back then we didn't have instagram we didn't really have facebook groups or anything like that we we didn't really have that and so i was a 16 year old person just kind of didn't really know I didn't have anyone to be like hey this feels kind of weird and someone to be like hey you should probably call your doctor or like you know, helping me along that, that journey. And so, yeah, I mean, April said it perfectly. We have this amazing community that I think is a huge part in learning how to advocate for yourself, knowing when things may be not right, or, um, knowing when is a good time to ask for help, uh, professionally or with a peer. Yeah. Yep. It's, so it's one of the most vibrant communities I've come across for like post-surgical communities. I mean, who, who is, is going to argue that it's not superior to even like the plastic surgery post-operative community? That's just a bunch of pictures, right? Yeah. You know, it's, this is, it's powerful stuff and it really is a, a critical component to long-term success. Yep. Oh, absolutely. So what, what are some questions that patients should be acting or asking their surgeons, Dr. Russo, when they meet them for the first time or because they're or as they're going through their their pre-op process? Are there certain things that they really need to be aware of? Um, I think that understanding the surgeon's experience level is important, especially if the patient is more complex patient, both medically and surgically. Um, Asking what surgery or what tool is the right fit for them is really important. That's where a bariatric surgeon's expertise also comes into play because I've got a bunch of tools in my armament and finding the right tool for each individual patient is really, really important. And that comes with experience. Also, um, understanding what the process is in getting bariatric surgery. Every insurance is a little bit different. And a good practice knows exactly the, the process for each different insurance to get you through the process as efficiently as possible. And there's a huge amount of variability with different payers. So definitely understand what the process is. And then finally, I really think that 
really comprehending what the follow-up plan is or what the, what the long-term care plan is, how often you're going to be seeing the doctor or the PA or the, or the nutritionist or whomever, and for how long, what kind of other support groups are available to me. Really understanding that is, is important too, because just getting the tool is only a small step. Once you get the tool, you really need to be ready to work hard and have the support necessary to succeed with it long-term. Yeah, we're, we're always talking about how like, it's wonderful that surgery gave us this tool, but what actually needed work on was up here and you yep. didn't touch that, right? So that's the work of weight loss surgery. And it's so difficult to describe to people because how do you, how do you really describe all of the changes that you're going through or that you have to go through that are really related to, to your mindset? I mean, it's just, it's a challenge and it really throws patients for a loop. I think once you mm -hmm. recover and if you do not have that supportive community, if you don't have that supportive surgical center, Ooh, it's not going to be pretty. No. And there are plenty of places around the country, around the world, frankly, that are ready to just give you your weight loss surgery and send you on your way. You're welcome. Um, the problem is, is that is a setup for failure big time. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of times you get the bariatric Bible that they hand you the little binder that has, the, and it's kind of like getting only one page of the IKEA instructions to your armoire that you have to put together. Um, so you're really not going to get, you can get started and do a bang up job from the get go. And then right after that, you're going to be like, hey, where's page two? And they're like, oh, you don't need that. It's cool. No, you're good. Just eat less and you'll be fine. It's all right. Well, I think it's also uh, really I'm glad that you brought it up, uh, Dr. Russo, that um, you should know your doctor's credentials. I was Detective Natalie when I was interviewing my most recent surgeon. I mean, because his, I mean, his page had accolades all over it. And I thought, okay, I need to know if these are real. Are they, cause I, I went to Mexico. And so, um, you know, I had to make sure I had to make sure that this was a legit person, I sleuthed all night, researched him, like everything, had him verify over the phone, you name it. But like, they should be able to answer all of your questions. They should be able to tell you that they're certified, where they went to school. They should be able to tell you all of that up front. Um, and if they don't, like, maybe you shouldn't go to them. Maybe they're not as legit as they seem or, or what. But yeah, I mean, you can be a sleuth. <laughs> Look them up. Oh right? Reverse lookup, all that stuff. <laughs> all right. So yep. let's talk red, let's talk red flags. What, what are some red flags that patients should be on the lookout for? Like if your spidey senses are telling you something, they're probably right, but there's gotta be some big things, Dr. Russo. Um, you know, what I see a lot is uh, a lot of unnecessary preoperative testing. You, you'll get into that sometimes. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. I mean, you should really only be getting what's necessary, not every test under the sun and a scope in every orifice. Um, out of network, you need to understand the difference between in-network and out-of-network. If you have bariatric benefits or two paths that, that you can go, and there may be an additional cost if you go out of network, not only for your insurance company to pay, but for you, uh, you may be getting a surprise bill in the mail and just be aware of that. Watch out for that. Really understand what the, the plan is for the practice that you're going with. Um, 
if a practice has a questionable reputation, you know, um, looking online is one thing, but ascertain the reputation in the community as well. That's really important. If there's a questionable reputation or you're starting to see these horror stories kind of popping up, that may tell you something, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, if you will. You know, and again, brings up the, the importance of community. If you are connected with the community of patients, they're going, more than likely, somebody there is going to have had surgery with your surgeon. And you can really get some, now, granted, this is like, you know, this is just people talking. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But if you've got a bunch of people that say, I did not have a good experience and here's why, or you have a bunch of people that are saying, I really had a great experience and here's why, you can use that as kind of your, your, your diving board, so to speak, right? You can start there and then deep dive into, you know, some real reputable background checks, if you will. But, you know, if you don't have people to reach out to, it's going to be really hard to, to find that information. Also, doctors know who the good doctors are, just so you know. So oh. talk to your doctor, talk to your primary doctor, talk to your cardiologist. Say, who is the guy? Who is the doctor to go to for bariatric surgery? Who would you send your family member to? And so that's extremely telling. So what, what happens if your primary care physician doesn't support your decision to have bariatric surgery, then, then where, where do you go? I, truthfully, I, it, it really depends on, so if you are dependent on your primary care doctor to get to the bariatric surgeon, if you're in a, like a tight IPA or HMO network, um, then I think it's up to you to speak to your doctor and try to break down those barriers and bring information to the table. Say, this is why I think it's the right choice for me for this, this, and this reason. Connect with a bariatric surgeon that you're, that you're thinking about going with. For instance, my practice, we offer free uh, virtual consultations. So have a phone call with a bariatric doc. And oftentimes, like me, I will, lit the, I will literally tell the patient, give me your primary's number. I'll talk to them. I'm happy to, because if they're not supportive of bariatric surgery, like I said, it's from a lack of education. Bariatric surgery is the right choice for people with this disease, period. It is the only reliable, durable, effective treatment for people with this disease. And people shouldn't be, shouldn't be kept from their treatment and their ability to lead a high quality life. Well, and the, you know, one of the things about that that's so positive, the way you mentioned, you know, speaking to the doctor directly instead of just advocating to go push to another doctor, find a doctor that supports it, is not only are you advocating for yourself to have the surgery, but you're advocating for future patients to be able to have that surgery by educating the doctor that you're going to now. So not only will you help yourself, but you'll help future people down the road as well. Exactly. It's all about breaking down those barriers. Yes, right. And, and if you as a patient don't feel confident that you are able to speak to your primary care about bariatric surgery, even if you've done research, and even if you're, you feel like you, you've come prepared armed and you just get shot down, don't let that stop you. Find a different primary care doctor, right? That is part of advocacy. If somebody makes us feel like garbage, then we need to leave them in the trash. We need to go find somebody who supports us and who treats us as humans and, and acknowledges that we are in the middle of a health crisis and we need somebody to help us out of that crisis. And if your current primary care physician is not doing it, find a new one, 
make it happen. Call that number on the back of your insurance card and say, who else is a primary care physician in my neighborhood? Cause I need somebody new, right? That is advocacy. What do you think is the, the biggest reason? And this is a question for all of us. What do you think is the biggest reason that people struggle to advocate for themselves? Dr. Russo, what, we'll start with you. Um, I think that a lack of advocacy usually primarily comes from a lack of understanding, um, a lack of knowledge, like I've said before. I mean, let me pose this question. If someone is morbidly obese and they're sick, what do they perceive their options are? Diet and exercise, getting weight loss surgery, or not doing anything, right? So if I were to educate them and tell them at a BMI of greater than 40, your likelihood of losing that excess weight down to a normal weight, even with a doctor's help is one in 500 or less. Okay. So that's out the window. Now you either get weight loss surgery or you don't. So we could all understand where you're going to go. If you don't get weight loss surgery, you're likely going to become sicker, lead a lower quality life and die an early death. If you go down the weight loss surgery path, many people are resistant to that because of a preconceived notion that it's dangerous. And that's that comes from the late 80s, early 90s, when the morbidity and the mortality rate of bariatric surgery was 10%. It was dangerous, but it was done through big open incisions on patients that were extremely unhealthy, literally dying from obesity. It's not that way anymore. Now it's three to five times safer than getting your gallbladder removed. That's routine surgery. So the choice becomes very clear. So there's no reason that they wouldn't advocate towards that if they understood those facts. All right, we just need to put that on a loop and just broadcast it 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah, that was so powerful. Yeah. Right? I mean, like it is so, when, when you understand what it is from that perspective, then it is a very easy decision. Yet people still struggle to make it every single day. Right. Well, and I think a lot of it, too, comes from if you like most of us at our highest weights, we're used to trying to blend in. We don't want any we don't want to be heard. We don't want to be seen. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves because we feel like there's already enough attention on us. So we don't want to be the one. We've never been the ones to stand up and fight for ourselves for any cause at all, including saving our own life. So it's very hard to put ourselves in the forefront, stand up and say, hey, look at me. I want, you know, I'm listen to what I'm saying because I, I have something I want to say now. We're so used to kind of wanting to fade off into the cut so that we're not, you know, so that we're not noticed. So it's hard on that level. But also another level is, is people see the doctor patient as, you know, the doctors up here, the patients down here, and you're doing us a favor by giving us the time to even talk to us. So why would we burden you with more questions and things? Cause you're busy and you're in a hurry. You got to go. Cause you've got other patients too, that are probably more sicker than I am. So let's go ahead and just let you go. And so what they don't realize is, is it's really like a, it's a it's a symbiotic relationship we're working together to try to get me better with your knowledge and it's one of those it's a give and take thing you mm -hmm. you know we've got to give you things you've got to give us things for this relationship to work on that level and people need to look at it when they start seeing it from that level it, it, it becomes a lot easier for us to request more you know facetime and talk about things and ask questions you know any bariatric surgeon that is is of high quality and has a stellar reputation understands a simple fact that 
spending that time with a patient, it's like, it's like an investment in the future. If you spend that small amount of time up front and educate the patient and support them on these initial steps of the journey, they're going to be wildly successful compared to if you didn't, and they're going to shout your name from the rooftops. And then that'll just bring more business to you and improve your reputation more. You'll differentiate yourself from the competition. So any bariatric surgeon that's doing it for the right reasons and understands the benefits long-term is going to welcome these kinds of conversations. Yeah, And I do want to say that, Jason, I think that kind of what you described about a tendency to not want to be an advocate, you're used to fading into the background and things. A lot of that stems from this underlying feeling of, uh, of guilt and personal responsibility. And that's another thing that needs to kind of be understood. And you need to break yourself of that because patients need to understand that it's not because you just ate too much that you ended up obese. No, this was a genetic predisposition. Your body reacts to the Western diet. You're, you're hormonally altered because of it. And your body is fighting you. It's like your thermostat is set too high. You're going to lose this battle every time. That's where these yo-yo diets come in. Because every time you lose weight, it's like stretching a rubber band. Your body's going to resist you and you're going to spring back up. So understanding that too alleviates that sense of guilt and maybe makes someone more willing to advocate for themselves as well. Absolutely. And yeah, Natalie, I know, go for it, girl. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for, for me, obviously I agree with Jason. I think that um, we're also used to not wanting that special attention and just fading into the background and just not wanting to be the center of attention that we have to be in order to pursue this surgery. Um, but my main thing is the shame and the guilt. I just let that seep into me. And I am a child of bad diets. I've tried everything under the sun, failed at all of, failed at all of them, air quotes. Um, and I think that is something that a lot of us in the bariatric community do have to overcome and do have to get over that it's not us that failed. It's this health system that failed us, um, this societal norm of fad diets that failed us. Um, and to really get over that sense of shame and guilt of that quote unquote failure, um, we have to take the time to sit with that, to, to realize and uh, know in our heart that that wasn't us, that wasn't our fault. Uh, and then I think that is when we can actually start advocating for ourselves uh, to begin this, this journey of bariatric surgery. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. I'm not saying that, but once you do get to that realization that, oh, that it's not me, it's my health, it's my predisposition, as you said, um, then you can actually move forward once you kind of get over that, that hill. Yes. Well, that's the whole, th that's the amazing thing about self-advocacy is that if you just start there, you will grow into a place of self-acceptance and self-love because pretty soon you're going to see your value and you're going to understand that you are worth more than what you thought you were. You are not the shame. You are not the guilt. You are not the dumb, stupid, fat person. You are the person that's fighting hard, advocating for your needs and your health so that you do not end up dead. 
Like that's the, the bare bones to it. And to, to find that little power inside of yourself and just start practicing av advocacy wherever you go, especially in your bariatric journey, I think you're, you are really going to find yourself at a place of self-love. Everyone deserves to live a life of the highest quality possible. So if you're encumbered by your medical condition that puts you in a prison that prevents you from doing what you want to do, your body wasn't meant to be a prison. You weren't meant to ask, oh, am I going to be able to go to Disneyland today? Oh, I don't know if I could walk that far. No, your body is meant to be a vehicle. So if you feel like because of your medical condition that you aren't able to get the quality of life that you deserve, you know what? You deserve it. And there are tools to help you out of it. And the tools are not fad diets. Those are doomed to fail. The tool is weight loss surgery. But if you embrace it, you can get exactly what you're looking for out of life for yourself, for your family. And that's what we're all about, improving the quality of our patients' lives. That's what I care about. I don't care about a number on the scale. I want patients to climb mountains if they want to, run marathons, get what they want out of life. That's what, that's what this is all about. Well, on that note, thank you for coming to Dr. Russo's TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh goodness. This has been so insightful. It's been, it's been really eye-opening on a lot of different levels. And I'm certainly leaving this conversation much more hopeful for a greater bariatric community, knowing that there are surgeons like you and others that are out there that are really helping us as patients who've already gone through the process become better familiar with just what the process is and showing pre-op or people who are contemplating bariatric surgery that this is this is a choice that you can make and you can make it with confidence. Absolutely true. Dr. Russo, if people would like to follow you, where can they do so? So you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram at weight loss underscore OC on Facebook at Michael Russo MD or smart dimensions weight loss. And we will make sure you guys that we link all of those in our show notes. So you can just go to our show notes and it will take you directly there. Uh, Dr. Russo is also an expert in the patient partner universe. And what I was, I wanted to say earlier, and we got deep in conversation, but if you are pre-op and you are looking for a surgeon, patient partner has a surgeon match kind of program or system. It's really awesome. You can put in where you live, kind of the surgery that you're looking for, uh, you know, what you're looking for in a surgeon, and they will match you with vetted surgeons in your area. So it's absolutely worth you logging on to the patient partner website and creating a free account and just exploring all of your options that are out there. One other thing I want to add about patient partner is that they have patient advocates for those surgeons. So I personally have a, a, a bench of patient advocates, patient ambassadors that are welcoming conversations with prospective patients, past patients, because they've gone through that journey and they just want to be there to support someone that may not have that, that support system available to them. So definitely take advantage of that tool as well. That's so awesome. We, we have really enjoyed our partnership with Patient Partner, and we're just so happy that this service exists because it didn't uh, when, when, when all three of us, I think we're going through and it definitely would have been something we would have benefited from had it been around where we were at. And we will make sure too, you guys also, we will link all the patient partner information in our show notes as well. 
Well, Dr. Rosa, we just have a little house cleaning or, or house, yeah, housekeeping to do. Miss Nat, is there something you'd like to let our friends and followers know? Yes. So uh, our favorite day of the week is Sunday. And that's because we get to shout out all of you guys, our wonderful Berry Nation family. Uh, every Sunday, we uh, take your submissions and we post it onto our grid and we get to learn and meet all of you guys, our wonderful community. Um, this is a free uh, submission. You do not have to be in the paid Berry Nation membership. Um, all you have to do is go to the link in our bio and fill out the Shout Out Sunday submission Google form. Fill out a little bit about you and your journey. Uh, upload a photo that you're proud of. It does not have to be a transformation photo, just something that feels like you. Uh, you can be pre-op contemplating surgery, um, 10 years post-op, we want to hear it all. So go over to that link in bio, fill out the form, and we'll get you on our grid so we can celebrate you. It is absolutely the best flipping day of the week. We get to know so many of our friends on the, in the Instagram world just by that simple shout out. It's rad. I will let you guys know if you are looking for a community, you don't know where to turn, absolutely check out Patient Partner. We at Berry Nation also have a thriving kick-ass community. If I do say so myself, it is filled with experts and patients just like yourselves. We have weekly, almost daily support groups, live classes, all geared towards how we can live our best life before and after surgery. So just head to berrynation.com to learn more about that. Okay, Jason, my friend, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Dr. Russo, we want to thank you so much for your time and your uh, all your valuable insight. We appreciate you very much. Uh, we thank you guys for all uh, liking, sharing, subscribing, continuing to spread the word and support us in all the ways that you do, because we would not be able to support this amazing community without you guys helping us the way that you do. So thank you again. Do not forget, you can still uh, rate your favorite podcast on your favorite podcast player. You can also leave voice messages on our Anchor app that we can incorporate into future episodes of the podcast because we love shouting you guys out just like shout out sunday now we can add your voice clips to our podcast and you know that's just another way we get to support you guys so it's awesome for us uh do not forget you can also still rate and review all the youtube videos that we have up on youtube as well and we appreciate that every time we get those and at the end of the day just remember you've got this we've got you and we'll see you next time thank you dr russo bye-bye thank you all